Welcome to the Sick and Successful Podcast. If you're a business owner, work in corporate, or have a side hustle you're passionate about, you're going to want to stick around because I promise to ask the tough questions and talk about the things others shy away from. You know, what it's really like to own a business and be chronically ill. I'm going to give you that push you need towards following your dreams and be the friend you come back to week after week to talk about the real things in life and in business. If you have goals and are working towards them, if you're determined to be successful no matter what life's obstacles get in the way, this podcast is for you. Dream big and tune in. Welcome back to the Sick and Successful Podcast. This is your host, Natalie Supez. I am so excited to announce a special, special guest. Normally I read off a little bit of a description, but I don't want to do that today because I have a friend of mine, but also an extremely, extremely successful business owner. Her name is Amanda Boozy. She's the owner of Colon Canary, which is a candle company where candles have been in the Grammys, the Oscars, and the Golden Globes. She has a phenomenal story to tell, but above all of that, she is such a creative person. She has a background in digital marketing and in graphic design. She's got the best style. I always say that I want to shop her closet. She's such a sweet human being. I've always wanted to be around her and now I get to call her a friend. She also has a very impactful story. So welcome aboard, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so, I'm so excited to be here. Me too. It's been a while coming. We had an episode booked for, and I think in two weeks, but we went for lunch and we're like, let's do this sooner. So it's just, it's awesome. I'm so excited. It's happening. Yes. Amanda recently came to a breathwork event that I was a part of and speaking at, and we totally connected and have been super close since. So I can't wait for her to share her story. Amanda, tell us a little snippet of what got you into business and being an entrepreneur. Oh my gosh. You know, it's so funny because I get asked this question a lot and people always say, did you always know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Did you always know you wanted to be, you know, a business person? And I said, absolutely not. No, not at all. I was the complete opposite. I was literally, you know, dreaming of not a vanilla life, but just like, you know, a nice kind of safe life. I always grew up thinking, you know, I had this impression that you go to a good school, you go, you know, get your degree or whatever you want to get. Um, You get your nine to five career, you get a house by a nice school, you have your kids, you, you know, retire, and then you kind of call it a day. And, you know, I think that was, I guess that was kind of what was, you know, the the example around me Mm -hmm. growing up. There's nothing wrong with that. That is great. Um, And it's so funny. I I started dating my husband when we were both 17 and uh, which is wild. I'm only 23 though. So it's only been a few years. (laughs) (laughs) She's joking. It's only been a few years. Yeah. Right. I wish, I wish I was 23, but yeah, no, anyway. So we both had the same, you know, hopes and dreams. We were like, let's do this. Let's buy a house, buy a good school and have a family and, uh, and get our, our nine to five career. So I actually, um, went to school for graphic design and marketing and we, yeah, we got married, got the house, got all that, that, you know, was all good, all good to go and check those off the list. And then we, um, both got good, good jobs. Uh, and we started trying to have a family and it just really was very challenging for us. And, you know, you grow up thinking, oh, it's going to be so easy. And you see some other friends of yours that just want to have a family and it's so easy for them. And you think it's going to be easy for you, but in our case, it wasn't. So long story short, um, that was the beginning of my story. That's how, that's just where I, you know, how it's kind of started. Yeah. 
And so you have this job. We'll get into the the infertility part for sure. Cause I struggled. We struggled for three ish years as well. And it, it's a lot. So I'd love to chat about that, but you, you get a good job. You both have good jobs. You have a good house. How did you end up being such a successful entrepreneur on so many boards and like speaking and doing all the fun things? Well, I appreciate that. Uh, so yeah, so I had this, I was working in the graphic design slash marketing industry for about 10 years, I want to say. Absolutely loved it. I was working my my way up the ladder, um, the corporate ladder, I guess. And I did feel like I I kind of hit a ceiling in my industry as far as where I could go. And I've always had big dreams, even though I still wanted to have that nine to five kind of life. I've always been very ambitious and I'm a very much go big or go home type of personality. And so, yeah, so I, I had been working for a while and, and long story short, my husband and I um, eventually got pregnant, which was so amazing after years of trying. And then it turns out I ended up having a near death experience. I had a uh, ectopic pregnancy that was not that no one had noticed that it was a topic. So I was emergency rushed into the hospital and basically was told that I probably was not going to make it because I was losing so much blood. I'm sorry, this is so disgusting. Oh, it's not disgusting at (laughs) all. um, But it's real. It's part of life, right? And um, yeah, it was really, really scary. And so it really made me reevaluate I guess all my priorities in life and you know what I was wanting in this life and what I was doing with my life. And it was a crazy moment. And they always say like when you have those moments that time almost stands still. Mm -hmm. And the weird thing I will say is I wasn't scared. And I've always been a very busy body. And I've even though I I worked my nine to five job, I've always done a thousand things outside of my job. So I've always been a hobbyist and an enthusiast in many different, um, you know, activities and, and interests. And um, it was one of those moments where I was just like, do you know what? Like, I can say I did, I did, I did a lot. I did a lot in this life and I can leave feeling really good. And then I magically survived, which was crazy. So I woke up the next day and I was alive and it was bizarre. And, and I sat there being like, okay, like I almost have a second chance at life and, and what is my purpose and what do I want to accomplish and what do I want to achieve and, and leave as my legacy in this life? Um, so long story short, um, I was, um, at home on bed rest. Um, and again, I was, I was looking for something new and something different to do. So, um, uh, my best friend, uh, Tom, he was a great friend of mine. We met singing in choir years before <laughs> he and I were just looking for an excuse to hang out more often. And he's, he got into candle making just as a hobby, um, you know, just to pay his way through nursing school. And again, it was very, very, very small. And he said, Hey, would you want to make candles in your kitchen? I can teach you how to do that. And I said, yeah, sure. And I was not a candle person. I will say that I knew nothing about candles. I think I purchased like two candles in my life at that point, probably from him. And, um, and so, yeah, like it was great because he had the know-how of how to make the candles and I had the design and back marketing background. Um, so I could support all of those, um, efforts. And so we kind of put our expertises together and he taught me how to make candles in my kitchen. Uh, and that was what I want to say, September of 2014. So about nine years ago. And, um, yeah. And so, yeah, that's really how it started. It was purely just an excuse to hang out with my best friend. And we just drank a lot of wine (laughs) truly. So cool. And the cool thing too, is I think the timing, like Instagram was so new back then that's around when I started. So it was really easy to get followers. It was really easy to build a community Mm -hmm. that was really engaged. So, um, we quickly built a following and yeah, there's, there's lots more that happened since then, but I don't want to just, you know, spill all the beans in one. (laughs) Well, I love it. I love it. (laughs) And it was really close to that. Just getting started with the candles that the, 
that you got into one of the big award bags, right? Let's yes. tell that story for those of that don't, don't know it. Cause I yeah, want to get into sure. nitty gritty of like things people don't know, but I think a okay, lot of my there's a lot. probably don't know you. So there's a lot. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting because neither Tom or I went to business school. We, it was never anything that was really in the cards that I ever thought was in the cards for me. So yeah, we just started making these candles and I had my full-time job and he had his full-time, you know, he had just, he actually he was in nursing school still at the time, which was very grueling and very intense. And uh, so once a week we'd get together and it was just a way to kind of blow off steam and we would just make candles and drink wine. And, and we started posting on Instagram. And as soon as we started posting on Instagram, uh, stores started reaching out and actually our very first stockist and wholesaler um, that I want to always give gratitude towards uh, was Cafe Postel on Provence. They were our very, very first location that sold our products. And they reached out and they said, we think these are so great. We would love to sell them in our store. Can you send over a wholesale catalog? And we're like, absolutely. And then we looked at each other after we sent the email. I'm like, do you know what a wholesale catalog is? He's like, no, I thought you knew. I'm like, no, I have no idea. So luckily, (laughs) luckily, thank gosh, Google was a thing. So we Googled, you know, what is a wholesale catalog? And me being a graphic designer, I stayed up all night and created this beautiful wholesale catalog that looked like we were this big fish in a small sea, which we were not at all. We were these two people in my kitchen making candles. And so we sent it off and sure enough, they placed an order, I think for 12 candles. And um, we thought we made it. We were like, this is it. We are successful. We, this is huge. We're going to be on the stores of an actual, you know, on the shelves of an actual location. And I think we spent all the money we made on the 12 candles on wine and (laughs) and then kept making candles. Um, But yeah, so so then at that point, um, more stores started reaching out and inquiring about the products. And we said, you know what, like this is starting to become more of a business than a hobby. And what do businesses do? And we Googled it and, you know, you make a plan, like you make a business plan. And part of business planning is goal setting, as we know. And so uh, we know we did short-term and long-term goal setting. And our long-term goal was to be in the Juno Award gift bags in 10 years. We thought that would be so cool. In 2024, we are going to be in the Juno gift oh, bags. Wow. And um, yeah, and that was it. So we kind of like did it and put it away. And then me being go big or go home, uh, I was at my full-time job at the time and um, I had a few minutes during my break and I looked up (laughs) the company that's responsible for doing the gift bags for award shows. And um, I came across this, this company, Distinctive Assets. And sure enough, they're the ones that do the gift bags for the Grammys and the Oscars. Yeah, so I sent them an email and I just said, hey, what's the process? in 10 years to be even considered for a bag of this magnitude, not expecting a response. And uh, sure enough, they uh, responded within two weeks and they said, we know you didn't officially apply, but we happen to be doing our judging submissions right now. And we think your products are perfect for the official home decor category in both the Grammys and the Oscar gift bags this year. Oh my goodness. Are you in? And it was just a surreal moment. We, we, at first thought it was spam. We're like, this cannot be real. This is crazy. And then obviously did some more digging and realized, no, this is legitimate. And we're going to be in the Grammy and the Oscars. It was wild. And then, and And then then (laughs) we did it. (laughs) So it was weird, but like what I will say, okay. So, I mean, there's so much to say. So it was, it was crazy. So, I mean, looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what a risk at such an early stage of business. Yeah. There are fees involved. Like it's not free. People think that 
you know, it's, it's either a thing that they pay you to do or that they like, they pay you for your products. Absolutely not. It's advertising. So, um, you have to pay to be in it. You have to pay and donate all your product. You have to pay for the shipping. You are responsible for paying like the fees to be in it. And yeah, we had no money. So, um, cause we spent it on wine. So <laughs> naturally. So, um, luckily, um, you know, our parents are extremely supportive. And so we, um, we asked about dads, we said, can you help us out? They lovingly did. And we we're so appreciative. And yeah, when, and we got to work. So we had a very tight turnaround and um, we had a few weeks to create a custom product for this, these bags. And, um, yeah, we had family and friends come and help us make all these candles and put them together. And wouldn't you know it? So we were so excited when we finished making them and, um, we were so proud. It was such a huge achievement. And, we're following the tracking um, to follow to make sure that they obviously arrived in California on time. And we're following the tracking. And the day they arrived, we get a notification and it says, <laughs> no joke. It said contents arrived and it said contents stolen. The boxes were, uh, were opened and someone stole all the contents, I guess, in the warehouse in California. So that was my very first experience with what great things can happen in business and then what horrible things can happen in business. The entrepreneurial um, roller coaster. Yeah. And as you can imagine, like my heart just sank and we were just panicking. And so, yeah, we had to borrow more money. We had to call the printers and be like, can you please rush print more boxes for us? We need to recreate all of these in a day or two. And so we did. <laughs> like, Jeez. again, like, I can't. I, and again, it also, I think taught me a lot. It also taught me the power of community and how, especially I find in Winnipeg and Manitoba, I get to travel a lot and I get to travel with business and go to different, especially in Canada. I've been to every province for business and I've met so many entrepreneurs and been to so many different business communities. And I can attest, and I'm not saying this just because I'm from here, there is no place like Winnipeg and mm -hmm. Manitoba to start a business mm -hmm. and to have a business. I, we have such an incredible supportive community here. So I think because we maybe feel like underdogs, I think we feel like we have something to prove to the world. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as underdogs, we rally and we rally together and people just lift each other up and they want to see Winnipeggers want to see Winnipeggers succeed. And I think we want to show the world that we can do it. And just because we're from Winnipeg does not mean that we can't be super successful Yep, and we can be put on the map. So I think this was a, an attest, a, a testament to that. And the support we got from the community was incredible. And we had, you know, we had people we didn't know on Instagram offering to come help us. And, you know, it was just, it was so wonderful. And so thanks to a lot of family and friends and late nights, we, we managed to, to remake them and, and get them shipped out again. And they arrived, which was incredible. Wow. But, uh, it was a pretty crazy, you know, first experience in business. And it really could have made or broke us early on. And yeah, it was money we had to pay back to our parents and we did. And and, you know, maybe we wouldn't have made any sales after that. And, and who knows, right. That would have been the end, but yeah, it really, it really took off and it got us on onto a, a national and international platform right away. Like it really just skyrocketed our company overnight. And I think people assumed we were this like big fancy company that had all these staff to help us. And that worked for us. And, and it was not like, it was literally us I think at that point, six months in, we moved to our first location offsite uh, out of my house, um, which no joke was in the exchange. It was on Albert street in like an artist's like, yes. like loft place. And there was like water dripping from the ceiling. It was, I think it was like eight feet wide by like 10 feet long or 
12 feet long. It was like this tiny, tiny, tiny little area. Oh my gosh. Um, but we were like, we made it. Oh my gosh. We're so cool. We have this space, the exchange. Um, just because, yeah, we needed space to make these, to, you know, to continue making candles. Yeah. But it was at that point where, where, yeah, like we had expenses, we had no rent, we had, there was things that happened very early on, but, um, it was just a whirlwind. It was a whirlwind. It was crazy. Um, we started getting, um, press like we were, the candles are on good morning America. It was just wild. It was even, even thinking back and even telling this story now, it sounds weird coming out of my mouth, even just like Mm -hmm. living it and thinking about it that long ago. It's just a crazy experience. So at what point did you leave your day job? Uh, it was about a year into starting Colon Canary. Yeah. So so all of that shipping, all of that kind of stuff, you were still working your day job. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. There was a point I remember where we were making candles and I remember, I think it was around that time actually. And I said to Tom, I was like, we might die. Like we might actually die. (laughs) I felt that before. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And he's a nurse. And so I'm like, I'm like, haha, like being sarcastic, but also like serious waiting to see his expression. And he's like, yeah, I know. Right. And he was serious. I'm like, Ooh, I'm like, you're a nurse. And you think that that's true. Now it's serious. <laughs> like, Oh my God. But I mean, that happens so much when you're an entrepreneur, when you're starting yeah. that startup phase, like even for the first few years, even during COVID, I will go into that later, but like it's happened even more recently, like where you got to do what you got to do and, and you do whatever it takes to survive and, and to pivot. And yeah, it's a crazy feeling when you're in those, in those experiences where it's do or die and you just do what you got to do. And you, you, know, you, you forget, do. you put the hunger aside, you put the sleep def- deprivation aside. I think it's similar, I think to new parents. I, I've heard that comparison. Oh where my God. Starting a business. I'm sure you would, you would know. Well, and I did know. it at the same time. I did both at the same time okay, as I had I, my I bow down to you. That is wild. And I tell it's like a crazy person would do that. Oh my gosh. Any mother who is an entrepreneur, if you're listening, I literally am bowing down to you right now because I don't know how you guys do it. I truly don't. I do. It's just a special, it's a certain kind of person. And I think you're the same person as like, we're just not built the same. And I think once you become an entrepreneur, when those lows get so low, a lot of us will be like, oh man, let's like look at LinkedIn and see the job postings. And then you're like, yeah. No, I can't. That's worse than this hell. That's a different type of, and it's not hell for a lot of people. It wasn't for me when I was, I mean, you could say, but like when I was in corporate, I didn't think it was hell, Mm -hmm. but going back to it and, but which makes you live in that up and down roller coaster. Mm -hmm. But I think that not a lot of entrepreneurs talk about it so freely where it's like, it's heavy. Like, you know, having to pay 15 staff and the rent and the this and the that, which you just mentioned COVID. I can't even imagine what you went through during that as a product company, but it's just like this never ending pressure. But people only hear the stories of like, she was in the Grammys and the Oscars, or she did this and traveled everywhere. Like she's so successful and you are, but nobody can see like, you're literally holding a building (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) on your shoulders every single day. I will say it never gets easier. And I don't want to say that to deter yep. people. It's like this like sick addiction when you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. And oh, <laughs> so weird. Like I can't calling us all out. <laughs> yeah, I know. And like I can't compare it to anything. And people who aren't entrepreneurs are usually envious of entrepreneurs because they do see the good side of it. And that's yeah. the part you see a lot on social media and in the press. Like a lot of the times, like, you know, we got interviewed so many times about doing the Grammy and Oscars. And I'm sure people were like, oh my God, that's so cool. I'm going to be an entrepreneur, which great. Like I want everyone to be an entrepreneur. I do. I truly do. But it's interesting when you're in the seat of an entrepreneur. And I also want to add to, I think it's interesting because so much of our culture in the last couple of years 
there has been so much talk of hustle culture mm-hmm. and everyone's like, you got to hustle, you got to hustle, you know? And I have a lot more I can say about that as well later, but it's this whole idea of everyone encouraging each other to like pursue their passions and monetize all your passions. And, you know, you too could be an entrepreneur and you too could do this. And that's all awesome. It truly is awesome. And it's so, it's great in many ways. It's also not great in many ways, but where, where I want to talk about, or what I want to talk about is the fact that so many people talk about starting your own startup and doing your own business. And if you hustle, you'll get there and you can do it, but no one talks about what happens when you do hustle and you do get get there are successful, then what, and then what happens? And then how do you get to the next stage or how do you continue being relevant and being, you know, successful and the pressure just adds, it adds and adds and adds. And there's so much more that you learn. Like, it's interesting. I feel too, when you go from being a one person team and working for yourself, which is so amazing. And like, congratulations to everyone, because like that is already a huge accomplishment. But when you go from that to hiring, even your first staff member, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden now you're not only an entrepreneur, but now you are a boss. Yeah. And not in like, I mean, yes, it sounds glamorous, but like, <laughs> there's a lot of, of responsibility that comes with being a leader and being a boss and you have an employee now. And that comes with a whole other set of responsibility and things you have to learn. And, and when the downs get down, that's on you. Like exactly. if it cancels or something gets lost or things get stolen or whatever, exactly. you still got to pay everybody. And And then all of a sudden you have eight staff or 10 staff or 15 staff. And now you've moved five times. You've now you have this massive, because you have, you need more space, you know, and with our product, like something that we really pride ourselves on is that we are a product made by humans for humans Mm -hmm. and we make it with love. And I stand by that. Like we are not machine, but it's not machines that automatically, you know, pour everything for us. Like we are the humans working, making these candles and, and it's important to us. They are hand poured and it's a labor of love and very laborious. My staff are incredible. Like I I say to everyone, I am so lucky. I have the world's best staff, the world's most supportive, incredible. You really are lucky because it's so hard to hire right now. It is. is. And I make sure like when I, when we are hiring with Cole and Canary, like we obviously, there's a whole other discussion, but we make sure we hire like based on values and personality Mm -hmm. And um, it's almost like sometimes a lot of the times, depending on the, the role, your experience comes second, right? Like your totally. personality and values is first for us. So yep. you can teach a lot of, a lot of things, um, but long story short, I it's, it's, it's a lot of pressure. So when you have a team and you now have a building and you have rent and you have a storefront now, and you have, you know, like you have all these other things going on and, and now you have to create systems and you have to create processes and you have to have handbooks and you have to have reviews and you have to have like check-ins and like there's there's all these people almost like more corporate not corporate but like a little bit you have to learn how to like put that other hat on and and then learn how to delegate like delegation is a whole other thing that I think especially when you're a perfectionist or creative exactly I think a lot of entrepreneurs really struggle with that part Mm -hmm. that is hard because you're used to doing it all. Like when you start out and you don't have a lot of money and you are a startup, you're ambitious, you're hardworking, like you literally wear every hat and you're used to that and you have the control of everything. And when you have to start hiring other people to help you to grow um, for the betterment of obviously your business and to, you can't do it all. Obviously it's, I highly recommend 
hiring people and delegating, but it's hard when you are a perfectionist and maybe a control freak. Yeah. So (laughs) maybe let's chat about a little bit about like COVID and one of those, which I'm sure was a real struggle for you and like the downs of entrepreneurship. So we can open up that side of things for people. For sure. So it's interesting. Like we, so before COVID majority of our business came from in-person sales. So as you can imagine, we are a scented candle. So for those who don't know, we make scented candles and it's a product you have to really smell to know if you love it. So luckily for us, I mean, COVID came at a time where we were a little more established by then. So there was already a built-in trust with our brand, which I'm so grateful for, but it was terrifying. Like overnight, I majority of our business was gone because our retail store had to close all of our, we, we sold about at that time, we sold about 500 stores in Canada mm-hmm. and the United States. Um, they all, most of them all closed. Um, you know, that's a huge part of our business. All the trade shows that we do all stopped. So we were forced to put all of our eggs in the online basket, which terrified me because up until then, a very small percentage of our sales was e-commerce. So we were forced to um, pivot. Are you <laughs> willing to talk about numbers? Like what, like how, what percentage or like maybe what number amount was gone in that moment? Um, so I would say probably at that point, it's probably 70% of our business. I would okay. say maybe 75 actually, Wow, but it was a lot. So majority of our yeah. business. So yeah. So I mean- the other hard part was at the time, the government was basically saying like, you know, if you're like in our type of industry, people weren't allowed to be physically in the building because no one had known what was going on or what was happening or, you know, what was this virus exactly? And, and they're figuring it out. So we had to lay off all of our temporarily lay off all of our staff. And luckily my husband at the time was working for me full time and uh, as our warehouse manager. And he, he also knew how to do a lot of the production. And I knew how to do production and front of house. So the two of us ran the company for three or four months, I want to say. Um, so we did the job of absolutely everyone um, oh in three or four months. And the crazy thing is, is that luckily, and I'm so grateful for this, but because um, we didn't know what was going to happen. We're like, how are we going to sell scented candles to new people that have never heard of our of our products before, you know, online? So we hired an ad agency and just heavily invested in, in online advertising and thank God it worked. Um, but also I think we're lucky in the fact that our product came at a time where people were at home yeah, in fine spaces and they were really, really stressed and they're working from home too. So, and, and people weren't spending money on traveling. They weren't spending mm-hmm. money on experiences. So a lot of people were spending money on products. And I think you know, people were stress shopping. I was Mm -hmm. and trying to make their at-home experiences as nice as it can be. So people were buying candles and, you know, mixed with our, our ad, you know, our ad spend, you know, it, it really, really, really worked for us. So I'm grateful in the fact that we were part of the group that really succeeded during COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, with that obviously came many other challenges that we had never experienced as a business. So what was now happening is we had our highest sales of all time with the lowest amount of staff of all time (laughs) to fulfill orders. And so, and then also on top of it, we, we started offering other incentives, like free local delivery, um, because we knew people didn't want to, you wanted to save money on shipping and we were just trying to make it as enticing as possible yeah. for people to buy our candles online. We're like, we will do anything to try and make this work because we have to. And so, yeah, so we offered free local delivery. And so 
we actually did all the deliveries ourselves. Oh um, my gosh. So, so we literally were working 14 hour days, seven days a week for about four months straight. Um, and again, that was a point, a point where I was tired. Like, actually die. And he's like, yeah, I know. And I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, it was, it was the hardest. I, I'm a hard worker and it was the hardest I've ever worked in my entire life. Wow. I still feel the effects of it. I, I feel so burnt mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was years ago. And I still am like, Tired. I'm like, Ooh, I'm exhausted. But I think it's also because it's this roller. It was this crazy roller coaster ride for absolutely every, every human being on earth yeah. and every business owner. And there's a lot of businesses that didn't survive. And, and I'm, I'm, I feel horrible for those, for those that didn't. And again, I'm so grateful that ours, ours, ours did. It, it did come with pivoting. It did come with hard work, long hours, late nights, making, you know, very quick changes to try and strategize how we we're going to survive. And I think that's the cloth that like entrepreneurs are made out of, because just like you saying, we heavily invested in digital ads, but you were scared to do that. Not a lot of people would be like, okay, my business is gone. All my revenue essentially is gone. Everything. Let me take another risk. Exactly. That's that's where the like crazy part of it, like where the nuts a little loose for us. (laughs) Absolutely. And the thing is like, it easily could have not worked. Like we could have invested tens of thousands of dollars in advertising and we don't get a return, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, that was great. We tried, you know, that was fun. <laughs> we gave it a good shot, you know, and like right. close it up. Like it's, it could have easily happened that way. So yeah. So it's interesting. And so that was a crazy time. And then after a few months, we were able to bring our staff back, which is great. And uh, yeah, it was just wild. And, and I mean, the challenges never cease. I will also talk quickly about the opposite of what's happening now. So, so there's this thing called the boomerang effect. So my theory, and this is, I've talked to, I'm on many boards. I've talked to many entrepreneurs across the country um, who are friends of mine and everyone has experienced this. Okay. So if you were a business during COVID that thrived, AKA our business. Okay. Now things are harder than ever because now ever since travel opened and experiences are open, everyone now is like, I spent way too much money online shopping. I bought way too many pairs of shoes and clothes and candles and whatever, you know, they're like, now I need to go to Disney world or now I need to go on a cruise or whatever it is. You know, people are like renting cabins. That's amazing. So the opposite is also true. So the companies that did really, you know, not great during COVID like hair salons or any sort of experiential, like obviously tourism Mm -hmm. that really suffered are now having their best years, their best sales years, because it's the opposite now. So Mm -hmm. I, I feel like next year things are going to start leveling out. I mean, even the cost of food is incredibly expensive right now. So there's, there's a lot going on in the world right now. And I feel like, I think things are going to start balancing, um, in the next year, but yeah. So, I mean, as soon as you, have your best years, you can easily have a really hard year and, and you can't predict those things. Unfortunately, you know, that's another hard part about business. And it's just trying to constantly problem solve and try and be creative and try and pivot to, to survive. <laughs> yeah. Like we, we start this typically cause we want freedom and we're like excited to do our own thing. And, and that, like you said at the beginning, it never gets easier. Like it's, there's moments where it's like, oh my gosh, everything's going great. Everyone's like, my numbers are good. I have no stress, but like, there's always some kind of, and if it's not something that happens in your business, then it's a next dream that you're trying to achieve because that's like, that's, it's always like, it's not like you're just trying to climb to get higher, but there's always a next step or a next move or 
our next way to grow the business. And it's so the mental stress is so much different than where a nine to five job, it's a different type of stress because you have pressures on you from other people. But as an entrepreneur, it's pressures that you have on yourself. And it's it's just like a different type of, of stress. I had another question for you. So your business partner, is he still a business partner? No. So I actually bought him out of the company a few years ago, about four years ago, I want to say. We started a second company together called Piper Impero. It's a unisex fragrance company. Um, so uh, yeah, so Tom's always had a, an amazing passion when it comes to fragrance. He's super talented. He's very smart. Um, he has a science background. So he actually got accepted to like a world-renowned perfume school Ooh. in France, France. And so they accept, I think, 12 students in the world a year. Wow. Um, was accepted a few years back, but we always, yeah, kind of talked about, you know, creating a secondary brand. Just, I think for both of us and especially me too, like my passion is just creating. I love, love yeah. creating. I, in a dream world, my job would be just starting companies, like just creating brands for people and selling those, selling the brands. I think that'd be so fun and be like, here it is. Here's your, here's your package here. You know, like I'm hide a little bow, take it away. I don't want to execute it, but you go ahead. (laughs) I'm not going to take the risks, but you can. (laughs) It's going to look pretty. Okay. But yeah, it's interesting. So we always had this, this kind of dream of of starting a second company and, and with his like, you know, love of, and passion for fragrance and then him getting into school, it naturally made sense. We were going to start this perfume company. So yeah. So it's been um, around for, I want to say four and a half years now. We've started selling to the public only about a year and a half, two years ago. It took a couple of years just to obviously, you know, yep. do everything that it takes to start a, a fragrance company, which is a, a totally different experience in a candle company. And yeah, so, so he wanted to just purely focus on, on that brand. So, um, so I bought him out a few years ago. So, Amazing. so, um, Colin, yeah. So Colin Canary is a, now you can say it's a hundred percent female owned and operated. So oh, I love all that. of our staff, every single one of our staff is a female and I'm so proud of that. And, uh, yeah. kick ass. <laughs> Same thing with S&S. It's so important. It's so yeah. cool. Yeah. I mean, men are awesome too. Don't give me They that. are. And I've never I been like, I'm not going to hire a man. They just never fit properly. <laughs> and you know, my husband did work for me for a few years, but he no longer does. So now I can, I, that's why I was also, I'm like, I love it. And, and operated. So he was amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Yes. That's so cool. <laughs> well, let's circle back around to the infertility a little bit, if you're open to that. So that was very early on in the start of your business journey. So how has that like buy a home, have a job, have a family kind of how has that changed for you after your experience or near death experience? Yeah. So it's interesting. So we, so Colin Canary started and a little bit after this whole thing happened. And again, I think I was just searching at that point for something, something I was searching for something. I was searching for, for fulfillment again. Like I had kind of reached the glass ceiling in my industry. I was feeling, I don't know. I was just, I was looking for something. And Mm -hmm. I started Cool and Canary and then all of these kind of like when the universe comes together, magic happens. And I know it sounds cliche, but it's so true. Like it's so true. One of my favorite expressions and and um one of my favorite sayings is is when like is that life should be easy. Like life should be easy. If Let life is easy. and 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 you know that if you are doing the right thing, you know because you feel good. Mm-hmm. And you can literally and, feel and, it in your body. Yeah. Yes. And and things are just easier and they just yep. work out. And that's what happened. So, I mean, we started Colin Canary, all these crazy magical things happened. We got into the Grammy and Oscar gift bags. We had all this amazing press, like Forbes did a story on us in our first year, things were just, were just happening. And all these opportunities were coming to us. And it literally felt like I was dreaming. (laughs) Even though I was working hard, it was like, 
this is wild. Like I, I think it also, it was beyond my own dreams that I had for myself or what I thought I could achieve or accomplish right. at that age, especially. I think also, you know, it just was never, it was never on my mood board, I'll say, or my vision board, right? Like I, I always, again, was ambitious, but I think the difference that I learned, and I talk about this a lot whenever I do speaking was up until then I had overplanned my life. Like I was very structured and I was micromanaging my own future. Mm. And it was to my detriment though. And yes, I had, you know, achieved good, great things. And I had this great job and I accomplished a lot and had a husband and a job and all these things. But it was also, I think, limiting myself. It was limiting my own vision for what my future could be. And uh, like, for example, I was, you know, I I literally would sit there with notebooks being like, in six months, I'm going to be here. And then in eight months, I'm going to be here. And then in you know, two years, I'm going to be here. And I would try so hard to stick to that. And I was trying so hard that I almost had the blinders on, you know, like Mm -hmm. I was allowing the natural flow of like what the universe wanted for me. I was almost forcing it and things were working, but I wasn't open at all to other things. Right. And as soon as this whole ectopic pregnancy happened, I think that was the biggest shift in me and in my, in my body and my soul, I finally realized, you know what, Amanda, like stop forcing things. Like just, just chill, like girl, chill, right? Like sit down and just breathe and don't force it. Like just let things happen. And so I started saying yes to things and that I maybe wouldn't have. And, and this was the first thing, like Tom saying like, Hey, do you want to hang out and make candles? I'm like, that's weird, but okay. Like I will, <laughs> I like you and I want to hang out with you. So if it's going to mean making candles together, then sure. That sounds creative and fun and random. Yeah. And like, again, like I literally thought we were going to make candles one night and maybe wow. give them to our friends or sell two of them and call it a day and be like, that was so fun. I can check off my bucket list that I made candles. Right. And again, like you, I had no idea that you know, what would come from it and, yeah. and the opportunities and the future. And, and I'm sitting here talking to you like on this podcast, like <laughs> about this, like I, it's yeah. so crazy. I wouldn't have met you. Right. Like it's so true. It's just interesting how these things can happen. And that's really when things got easy and, and life just flowed and it just, I just followed it. I literally just followed it. I just kind of sat in, in the passenger seat as opposed to the driver's seat for the mm-hmm. first time. Yeah. And it's a hard thing to keep staying in that passenger seat because I feel the same way. And whenever I can get back in there, everything just flows. It's easy. Things come, customers come, like employees, whatever. Life just falls into place. But as soon as you try to control it again, it's just like everything gets harder. Exactly. With with the family planning. So where, where did you guys land on that? So yeah, so Colin Canary started, all these amazing magical things were happening in my life. Um, and then what I learned was like, I was getting so much fulfillment from, from that, like from being an entrepreneur, it truly, it filled up that void that I was maybe searching for. And it just provided so many new experiences. And I, I got to go to places I never thought I would be able to go to. I mean, you just came back from Dubai and India. And I know it was through like the YEA G20. And I, yeah. luck, I, I had the opportunity to go um, last year and the year before to Milan and to Germany and, and all mm-hmm. these places and like Italy. And, and yeah, it was just insane. And, and I wouldn't have been there if I was an entrepreneur, you know, right. and it just like little experiences like that. I was like, wow, like this is amazing. And I think mm-hmm. it's those experiences and those, the positives that come from being an entrepreneur 
and putting all that hard work in when they pay off in those experiences. It's that, it's that, you know, affirmation of like, right, this is why I'm doing this. Yeah. This is amazing. And I get it, you know? And I think it's in those moments when you're having roadblocks or when you're in a stressful situation in business and, you know, things are looking really bleak, (laughs) you know, it's those feelings and those experiences that pull you back up and and you remind yourself, you know, and I think that's why it's like this weird addiction because it is a roller coaster ride, but you, you stay on it, you know? Yeah. Um, But with the family, yeah. Exactly. And so my husband and I have since like, we've talked for many years and, and, um, we've just kind of agreed, like, you know, we're, we kind of just like love our life the way it is. And there's so much more that I want to accomplish. And there's so many things that I want to do in this world. And I love children and I love being an auntie. I have the most amazing nieces and nephews in this world. And I get a lot of fulfillment from being an aunt even. And and I didn't have that before, you know, and like yeah. little things like that, like having a business and having family and yeah. things that I can, I can, you know, spoil take and then, and then give back <laughs> exactly. And then go to Italy and exactly. And being able to just pick up and go like, again, I love yeah. travel. I love it so much. And yeah, just being able to work remotely or, you know, not feel the pressure to find a babysitter for three weeks. Cause I'm, yeah, I'm going to Italy or whatever, like for the yeah. G20, I I can't imagine. And and I truly, and and part of me, like, this is a personal thing, but part of me also just wonders, I'm like, I don't know, maybe I'd be like a resentful mom. Cause I'd be like, it would be challenging. It would be with my lifestyle. I'm so, so incredibly busy. And I don't think you would be, but it definitely is challenging. Like it is. Yeah, it is. And I think that if it ever were to happen, I I would love it and I would be a great mom, but your priorities completely change. And yeah. I'm speaking to friends who are mothers and my sister and my brother, like my brother's a father, like all these people in my life that are parents, you know, they're incredible parents and I would want to be an incredible parent too. Mm-hmm. And that just means reprioritizing your life. And yeah. I'm at the point where I'm like, I just really enjoy life right now. And I don't want to push it. And I don't want to force things. And I, I want to enjoy, I, I just, I like it the way it is right now, you know? So that. we're just not really doing much at all. And we're happy with it. We're happy with the way things are. So because of the atopic pregnancy, are you able to conceive still? You are. Yes. Okay. So if it happens, it happens. It happens. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really like, that's not a story you hear very often. I don't know if you've read the Colleen Hoover series, but there's a story in there that's very similar to yours where she had something and then she almost bled out and then their marriage almost broke. This is different than yours, but their marriage almost broke up because she's so hyper-focused on wanting to have this kid. And that I feel like when I, when we were for three years trying, like that was the only thing my brain could think about. It's all that I just, (laughs) it was reading about it, thinking about it. Like, and that like wasn't a great experience because it led to extreme postpartum anxiety because now that I had her now I'm worried like is she gonna make it right Ah, so it's just like it was hell and being able to just kind of like sit back and be like you know what I like my life now and if it happens I'll like that too and it's great that's like that takes a lot of strength so kudos to you well thank you I appreciate it and yeah I I, yeah exactly and I, I think we're just yeah. At the point of our life, we're just enjoying it. We're, we're enjoying life We're we're it's still an adventure. It's still stressful. It's still positive. Like there's, it's every, it's everything, right? Like exactly. as, as most lives are, but no, we're just, we're just enjoying the ride. We're just enjoying I love it. that. Thank I you. love it. It's so cool. Tell me where is Amanda going next? Like what's your next big goal? What's your next big dream? What are you thinking of? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm just going to say this. Like I, oh gosh, I get asked this question. <laughs> I I want to do so many things. Like I, there's too many things. 
I obviously love being an entrepreneur, but I also have other passions that I really want to explore too. And one of them is music. Like I am a singer, so I really want to pursue music and singing. I am an artist. I do painting. I want to pursue that a little bit. I want to start a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Um, maybe creating my own brand of some sort. I've, that's always been a dream of mine for many, many years. Yeah. There's just so many things. I, I, I also want to, I want to write a book. <laughs> I want to host retreats for entrepreneurial women. I think that's a big passion of mine too, is trying to encourage women to pursue entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And maybe mm-hmm. after this podcast, you'd be like, hell no, <laughs> that's crazy. I'm this is the kidding. opposite of what we just did. This I know, right? I'm like, no, but I promise. It's no, like- but it is great. I swear. I'm going swimming after this podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's just like parents, right? When they're like, I didn't sleep at all last night, but you should be a parent. It's really <laughs> and you're like, um, <laughs> I like my sleep. Um, but yeah, no, I swear it's worth it guys. Be, yeah. Be an entrepreneur. Um, but no, one thing I, and I joke about it, but like truly, I, I think one of my biggest goals in life is that Canada, I mean, everywhere in the world, but Canada has such a low percentage of female entrepreneurs and compared to male. Yeah. And I think that that has to change. And I know more and more women are getting into business, which is amazing, but, um, anything I can do and I'm one person, but anything I can do to try and change that percentage is one of my dreams. Mm -hmm. So if that means, hosting retreats with women that, you know, are interested or, or, you know, doing speaking gigs that will encourage women. Like I just want to writing a book, whatever it is, that's a huge kind of passion project of mine. That's a big goal of mine. So yeah. I love it. I love that so much. I want to get like, what is something that you wish people knew about you? Like when they, you know, maybe know you from a speaking gig or from your success or something like that. Like what is something you're like, oh man, I wish these people knew this. Great question. I think I are, I think I immediately know the answer. I really suffer from imposter syndrome and that surprises a lot of people. I, I, it's interesting. Cause I, I feel like I'm confident in many ways. I think I'm confident in my abilities and my talents, but I, there's such a huge part of me that suffers with imposter syndrome. And when I do tell people that, that maybe aren't as close with me, they're really surprised by that. And I have such a huge fear of failure. Like, Mm -hmm. and that is one of my biggest blessings in my personality and one of my biggest curses because a lot of it drives me to succeed because I am so afraid of failing, but a lot of it prevents me from taking risks that are scary to me because I'm like, Ooh, I might fail. So maybe I just won't do it. And I'm working on it. I'm working on it, but it's hard. And I think that especially imposter syndrome, I mean, I think it holds back a lot of people from, yeah. from risks also and doing things and yeah. And, and so anyways, it's things that I'm working on, but, um, I'm a human and I have many, many horrible days too. And yeah. you know, but people, I'm a very positive person, but, but there's a lot of times where, you know, I, I feel tired and I am burnt out still from COVID and the last couple of years, it takes a toll on you, you know, yeah. mentally, physically. So, so yeah, so I'm working ugh, for the first time in my life. Um, I'm taking time to work on, on those things and taking more time for me. Yeah. And I'm really trying not to feel guilty about it. I think that that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with and, you know, admitting that we're human. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Seriously. Like I, I promote a healthy workplace and a healthy culture. And I want my staff to feel 
that they can come to work and feel safe and, and that they're supported in every way. And if an employee comes to me and says like, I'm suffering with this and I, you know, I need maybe a mental health break or whatever. Like, absolutely. 100%. Yes. Yes. When we're the owner, like you can't really do that. It's like, and it's like, looked only because you feel like you can't, you can't exactly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really grateful. Like I have an amazing team. I have an amazing general manager who supports me every single way. Um, I finally got to a point where I was like, look, I need to work remotely. Like I need some time away. And, and so I'm doing that. So I've been working remotely for, um, for July and, and hopefully for some of August and it's Yay. been the best thing ever. So I'm I, again, I'm, I'm really lucky in the fact, like I'm still working, I'm still working, but it's nice to just not feel the pressure, I guess, as much to like, yeah. go to the office every day from nine to five. And, and, um, yeah. So, and again, I'm lucky that I'm at a point where I have someone who's, who's, you know, in the office day to day that that can oversee for me. And and, it is, uh, it's a cool point in business. Yeah. Yeah, So we were at lunch, um, yesterday (laughs) with a friend of ours, Angie, and she recommended a book. It is Viola Davis finding me. And I right away bought it at the table and then on the way home. (laughs) And it kind of resonated with what we're talking about right now. She said there was a moment where she was sitting somewhere. She got to this place. So she like achieved everything she'd ever wanted to achieve. Mm -hmm. And Will Smith asked her, like, who are you? And she's like, what do you mean? I know who I am. Yes. And he's like, no, who are you? Like, who is Viola Davis? And she says, like, what do you mean? And then Will Smith goes, well, I'm always the girl whose girlfriend broke his heart at 14 or however he is. Like, I'm always I'm always the guy who girlfriend broke his heart. And I will always be that that 14 year old who's like not good enough. And so she took a moment to think and she's like, I'll always be the little girl who's running from people who think I'm ugly and who think I'm ugly because I'm black. But that is kind of a moment where when you say I struggle with imposter syndrome and I am the exact same, like when people are like, you're so successful. Like, look at you. Congratulations, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it happened like by accident. Yeah. Like, well, you make obviously, up right. You're like, success. well, it's just because I blah, 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 blah. And yeah. no, like, really it's not, but it's because we were always that kid. So Amanda, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. What a big question. Um, okay. So if we're going to get really deep here, so I was super bullied growing up. I was super bullied in elementary school and I think it truly affected and changed and made, made me who I am. It made me yeah. a, strong, a stronger person and, and for many ways, but I think deep down inside, I've always felt like I have something to prove. And I don't know where that comes from. Maybe it's from that, but I just constantly feel like I need to prove something. I need to prove something, but, but above and beyond all of that, I mean, that's kind of, I think where my, my drive comes from. But yeah, I, I would say I, who am I? I am, cre- I'm, I think I'm ultra creative. Um, who is that like, I, who is that ver- small version of you that kind of like, you know, controls the, the imposter syndrome and like the insecurity. So for me, it would be like the little girl getting bullied in grade two in the hallway where everyone's yelling Natalie Fadley. And oh. like that, I was bullied really bad as well throughout many different, but that one sticks back to me. Like when I'm doing something or getting on a stage or something, I can like, you know, I've learned to hold her and support her, but a part of her comes up where it's like, oh, you know? Yeah. I definitely think it's that it's the grade four to six. Yeah. Maybe. And that's when I was really bullied. And ironically, like, I think it's because I had freckles. <laughs> now everyone's tattooing them. Doing them. Like I was born in the wrong era. I will say that much. <laughs> 
Yeah. I think that's a great wow. question. Yeah. Like, I, I truly think that. And I think, I think that's maybe where it stems from in the imposter syndrome. It's like that feeling of not feeling good enough or wondering why people are pushing you down so hard, you know, yeah. and it's, it's a really hard thing. And, and I'm sorry that you were bullied too. And anyone out there that's bullied, like, I, I'm so sorry that that happened. And I'm sorry, uh, but at the same point, like when I think back to it, I wore <laughs> green clogs, uh, wooden clogs from Poland. <laughs> and like, I was getting bullied upright and center, but I didn't give a fuck at the moment. I, it changed me and made right. me who I am today, but I still didn't let go of myself. And I think maybe that's why we are so creative and why we're so. where we at, because yeah. we had to survive that. It teaches you resilience. It teaches mm. you resilience above all else. And I think I, I totally agree with you. And I think that it's such a blessing at the same time, you know, like right. and when you're younger, you're, you're like, why is this happening? This is mm-hmm. the worst thing ever. And, and yeah, when you get older, what's wrong like, with me? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you really learn. Yeah. It really teaches you to be resilient and to, to make, you know, to, to be flexible and yeah. be able to pivot. So things like COVID yeah. it's like, you know, you, you just do what you got to do to survive, yeah. you know, literally yeah. like yeah. it's like, it's, it's just, it's, it's inside of you. It's just drilled inside of you. And I, I think I'm really grateful for that at the same time. So same. yeah. yeah. A last second, last question for you. I could literally talk to you all day long. <laughs> I could talk to you all day. <laughs> this is the first podcast. That's actually 10 hours long. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is a series in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. exactly. What does success mean to you? Okay. So this question. Um, I will say that what success looks to me has changed every single year. Me too. Yeah. It almost changes every week. Actually. I think that in the beginning when I was in my twenties and I was trying to climb the corporate ladder and have a family and all these things, um, success meant like having a house and it meant, it meant optics. I think that when I was younger, I wanted to appear successful. Like mm-hmm. I wanted people to look at me and like admire my life and be like, wow, like she, she's achieved so much for she being made it. and like, wow, you know, but like that means nothing. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the older you get, and then when I started my company, I mean, success meant, wow, we can pay ourselves something for making candles or we can, we can, you know, buy more product. We can buy more inventory. That's successful. You know, when we had our first staff member, being able to pay their wage was success for me. And it's interesting, like it's changed so much in the last couple of years for me. And, and for me, it sounds so cliche and cheesy, but it's making a difference. Like, how can I, for me, success is now measured by making someone smile. And that sounds so cheesy. People are going to unfollow me on Instagram, but no. <laughs> But no, actually, like it's those little, it's those little wins and it's, it's, you know, making people feel valued and worthy and giving my, my employees a place to come to work every day, you know, that they feel safe and they feel supported and excited and that we're all working towards the same vision. And, um, you know, obviously paying bills is a a success in itself. (laughs) How it is getting groceries. Um, Getting groceries. Yeah. Buying an avocado today is a success. Right. I afforded the avocado, but yeah, there's so many little things that I think, I think COVID also obviously has, has kind of altered what, what I feel success is. And I think it's also, it's being able to take care of yourself. I think that's a huge one. And I think taking time for yourself and, and being okay with failure and it's the opposite of success in most people's eyes, but I think that that's successful. I mean, I think yeah. if you can be okay with that, it's, that's great. And I think there's a lot of things. I, there's so many ways of looking at success, but I think it's about making a difference and taking care of yourself and those around you. And, I love and it so much. That. yeah. 
Oh, so good. Well, last but not least, the red carpet is yours. So anything you want to share with the audience, anywhere you want them to find you, any last words you want to say to them? So you can find Cole and Canary on Instagram at Cole and Canary. Um, we have a store at the Forks next to McNally Robinson. In Winnipeg. In Winnipeg. <laughs> I know you have people all over. We also, we do sell many, many stores across the country. Um, but you can find all of our locations on our website at coleandcanary.com. We'll link everything in the show notes. Below. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. And then personally, my personal Instagram is a B-U-H-S-E. Um, I already forget how to pronounce it. I know it's okay. You can pronounce it any way you want. It's not how I feel name. about mine too. I, I love my husband. I love his family. But like, if I would have known the challenges that would come with changing my last name, I would never have changed it. Literally it same. Fun. It was M-U-N-N. It was so easy. I digress. But uh, <laughs> yes, what I will leave lasting words. So um, this is also ultimate cheese, but I love sharing this quote. My mom used to share this with me all the time growing up. And when you're younger, you're like, mom, that's so <laughs> lame. And now I'm like, oh, it's so beautiful. So it's, <laughs> this is hilarious. So it's not your aptitude, but it's your attitude that will determine your altitude. Aww. Do you have a tattooed on you? I have no tattoos because I'm not cool, but Zero? One day I will get one. I it's funny because I'm artistic too, and I yeah. love tattoos and I admire them and I've designed them for people. But hilariously enough, I don't have any, and I it's really been on my mind a lot lately. I all right, really we're booking one. a day. Gonna do it? Okay, <laughs> okay, sounds it. good. Let, um, well, all my your cousin, listeners, this is like sidebar, but yeah. I'll give her a shout out. My cousin, I told you about her, but she's getting a space in the Exchange District right. as well. Her name is Madison Weiss. She also worked for us here at SNS for a while. She is an art. She's finishing up like a course for art therapy and self-taught tattoo artist but she's now coupling tattoo tattooing with like healing and so she'll draw one up for you about like something you want to work on or whatever and then she's also going to have a space where you do art therapy and then I'll also do breath work in the space together so it's going to be like this healing like tattoo type area so for anyone who's interested we'll put Maddie's uh, info down there but you and I Amanda we and and Angie you should have a date where we like do like witchy tattoos. <laughs> I love that. I love Angie. If you're listening, we're going to, we're going to do it. I can't wait. I can't just see what she designs for me. <laughs> exactly. Right. Oh my gosh. I'm excited. That's well, awesome. thank you so much for taking the time today on such short notice. This was of one of my favorite is. interviews and I just feel like we could literally record forever. So I'm sure you'll be back. Thank you. Remember dream big. It's possible for you. And your next version of success is around the corner. Mwah.